0: I want to give a big shout out to everyone who's been sharing my channel out with their friends lately. With that being said, let's get into these three true ghost stories. That'll be sure to make you double check your locks on your doors tonight. Myself and my partner rented our first house back in 2012. Nothing creepy or particularly off-putting about it. Just a standard terrace house on a street of identical houses in a northern town in England. My partner, now wife, was pregnant at the time, so we needed somewhere to bring up our first child. We chose this one as it was an area we were familiar with and the rent was affordable. When we moved in, everything was normal. Just a standard house, and we set about getting furnished and all the usual stuff. I used to take my wife to work early in the morning, and I'd drop her off and come back home. The front door opened directly into the living room, and there was a sliding door from this room which went into the kitchen. This had a door going out the back to an enclosed yard, shared with a nearby house, and stairs leading upstairs. There was also a frosted glass window next to the sliding door, which was presumably once a serving hatch, but now just served to let some natural light in, as the sun never got to the front of the house, due to the narrow street and surrounding houses. Within a few weeks of moving in, I developed a weird feeling, like something was watching me through the window. It wasn't overpowering, but it did get to the point, whereby I'd actively avoid looking at it out of the corner of my eye, as some part of me was always worried I might see something on the other side looking back. I'd always been deeply skeptical about anything paranormal, so always tried to ignore it or laugh it off, as me just being stupid in what was an unfamiliar house. That said, the feeling became stronger, to the point that after dropping my wife at work, I'd come home and catch a few hours on the sofa in the living room, as I didn't want to go into the kitchen and up the stairs to bed. The feeling was definitely the strongest in the kitchen and on the stairs and the only way I can describe it is it felt predatory. Like the constant nagging feeling that something was either watching you or right over your shoulder about to rush you even though there was nothing there. Things seriously escalated after one particular evening. We were watching a Darren Brown TV show where he was disproving the idea of the paranormal and seances. Part of the show asked you to perform an Ouija board at home, and the premise was that he would lead the responses and tell you what the results you would get, thereby removing any idea of it being anything more than suggestion and parlor trick. My skeptical nature combined with my wife's belief in the paranormal meant that I was keen to go along with this, and prove how her beliefs were silly. We started the Ouija board and went along with all the instructions, except we didn't get the results. The show said we would. We got something far more sinister. When we asked the name of any spirit, rather than the scripted name we were supposed to get, we got the name Ernest. By this point, I'm laughing, thinking my wife is pranking me. That Ernest is a stupid name to come up with. My wife isn't laughing though, and says we should stop. Thinking that it's all her, I go along with it. Do you like us living here, Ernest? No. Why not, Ernest? What do you think about me? Rogue. Now it's worth mentioning that this confused me. My only experience of the word rogue was a various classes and video games. Okay, what do you think of my wife's name? Poor. My wife is getting more upset by this point, it's really quite distressed. We follow the rules and say goodbye. The glass we were using as a planchette goes to goodbye. The board we were using was made out of scraps of paper with letters and numbers, and the usual yes, no, hello, and goodbye on them. As my wife was so freaked out by this I collected them together, put them in a glass bowl and took them out to the yard and burned them partially for her peace of mind and partially for my own that night we had gone to bed and around 20 or so minutes after we got in bed we heard a loud bang that came from downstairs i went downstairs to check everything thinking something may have fallen over but everything was still in place so i went back to bed as we lived in a terrace house i told my wife it might just be the neighbors being on a cupboard door, and went back to sleep. The next night we went to bed, within the first half hour of being in bed, the exact same bang from downstairs. This happened every night, no matter what time we went to bed, whether it was 9pm or 1am. Within half an hour, we heard the same bang, always at least once, sometimes twice. We tried to replicate it. After trying everything, we discovered that a heavy cupboard door in the corner of the kitchen went open and then let go made the same exact noise. I was pretty intrigued and keen to find out what it was, as we never had any signs of pest or vermin, and the cupboard was fixed to the wall, about six feet off the ground, so I asked my wife to let me set up a camera in the kitchen, recording after we went to bed. She wouldn't let me, though. As he said, he didn't either want to know, or didn't want to antagonize it if it was anything. Things really began to go downhill from here. We would find ourselves arguing over the smallest things, having full blown shouting arguments for hours over nothing. Despite normally being a very chilled person, often accused of being too laid back, I found myself constantly on edge, in a combination of what I can only describe as anger and anxiety. Things didn't happen overnight, and was something that built up slowly within both of us, to the point I didn't notice it was happening until much later. There was no waking up a different person moment, but a slow and subtle change. Despite never having before, I began suffering nightmares on a regular basis. I would have vivid dreams of family members dying in horrific ways such as being burned alive. I would wake up screaming or in tears, as my wife would have to spend an hour reassuring me that they weren't real and calming me down. The most disturbing thing was, she said she'd waken up and tossed and turned due to being heavily pregnant, and I'd lay there with my eyes wide open, staring blankly like I was asleep, but with my eyes open and when she told me to close them I would, with no other reaction or comment, I absolutely have no recollection of ever doing this, and have never done this at any point before, or since living in that place. The arguments continued and got worse, the regular bang at night continued, and for the overall sense that something was following me, particularly in the kitchen and stairwell, became more and more overpowering. That despite my best efforts to convince myself, I was just being ridiculous and trying to force myself to walk slowly. It was clearly that flight of stairs three steps at a time filled my adrenaline and my heart pounding in my ears. There was a brief lull in activity in the months or so before our child was born. It was around Christmas and the arguments had abated and we seemed to get back to ourselves. I thought we had turned a corner. The nightly bangs persisted, but we'd become so used to it, we would now just look at each other and roll our eyes. My wife told me that the kitchen slash living room window and the sense of being watched or followed was something she was experiencing too. Then our little boy was born. Everything was okay for the first week or so, but the atmosphere soon began to change. The sense of anger and anxiety began to creep back in and we were starting to bicker. The atmosphere was made worse as our newborn baby would just cry constantly, every hour of the day when he was in the house. He'd sleep for 20 minute intervals and the rest of the time he would spend trying to nurse, wind, feed, distract, play, anything to try and soothe him, but nothing worked. We had him back and forth to hospitals and doctors so many times in the first few months, but inevitably, When we got there he was calm and sleeping or giggling happily. The doctors would look at us like we were crazy and I was beginning to think that I was cracking myself up. But when we got home the crying would begin again. We would take it in turns and see him at night. But that wasn't helped by the fact I was now apparently doing the weird sleeping with the eyes open thing again. It culminated for me one night when I was laid in bed waiting for the inevitable cry to start when I saw a shadow from the corner of my nearest window and began to slowly move across the fitted wardrobes we had in the room. I initially thought it was being created by the curtains against the headlights of a moving car slowly down the road, but it wasn't moving right. The best comparison I can make is like that of ink being dropped into water. The room was dark to try and help our boy sleep, but this was darker than the rest of the room like a very rich black that seemed to have shapes like smoky tendrils coming off of it. I laid and watched as it inched along the cupboards and then watched it go along a corner and continued on the wall. I knew at this point it wasn't a shadow as a shadow would have jumped from the wardrobe to the wall not creep around the corner that was facing the opposite direction to the window. I watched it go out the door and onto the stairs. Now if this was to happen now, I would have noped straight out of the room, but at the time I remember being oddly memorized by it and only started to feel any kind of fear after it left the room. I resolved to not tell my wife as we'd already experienced enough weirdness to be on edge, and the idea that I may have just witnessed a manifestation would probably have upset her even more. It was winter at this point and the house was constantly cold not helped by how dark it was due to the sunlight not being able to make its way in. No matter what we tried we couldn't get the place to maintain a constant comfortable temperature. One room may be red hot, but the one next to it freezing, despite the heating being set to the same throughout the house. The rooms which experienced hot and cold varied from hour to hour. The temperature would spike in a room and only fall again to uncomfortably cold in the space of half an hour. We had a room thermometer for our baby, and we were having to constantly move it from room to room to try and find one that was relatively normal. Unfortunately, I found the one place in the house where the temperature remained the most stable was the stairs landing, so I'd find myself having to sit there fighting the rising anxiety to run, because it was the run room where our child could neither be overheating or wrapped in blankets against the cold. Around this time, I remember a dream quite clearly where I was talking with a woman. No idea who she was and saying how dark and cold the house was. She asked me if I knew what that meant. I said not. I remembered even now when she said that life needs light to grow. The only thing that can thrive in darkness is death. It may have been my overreactive paranoia or subconscious but I clearly remember waking up with those words still in my head. Now when I hear a lot of these stories, I often wonder why people didn't just get out. There's usually an excuse about not wanting to surrender their home, and fighting for their house. Well, this wasn't our house. We were renting it, and all the combined problems of weirdness got too much. We decided we had to move. We found a house a few miles away and gave our notice to the place. It was the night before we were due to move in the early hours of the morning. We heard a piercing siren we had a carbon monoxide alarm and it was going off we opened all the doors and windows and got outside my wife and our boy went to my parents where i waited for the gas engineer to arrive he arrived and immediately condemned the gas fire we had in the living room which had started leaking carbon monoxide it's difficult not to think that without the alarm we all could have been dead And the fact it happened on the day we were due to leave i couldn't shake the idea that the two were linked and something either wanted us not to leave or to give us a parting gift i'd like to say we moved and everything was better overnight it wasn't the new house started out okay the nagging feeling of being followed around slowly crept back not as intense but noticeably there in the house we all shared a bedroom and had a lot of stuff still packed in boxes and generally cluttered in a spare room. One of them was a bouncer for our baby. This was a Fisher-Prize frog-type bouncer, and had eyes in the front. When rolled, would play a tune. Around 4am one morning, the frog tune started going off. I immediately looked in the crib next to our bed thinking our baby might have gotten out somehow and started playing with it, but he was fast asleep. I did everything i could to get it to go off again without spinning the eyes knocking hitting the floor around it i tried to tell myself it was maybe the batteries but this was the only time it had ever happened we didn't have to change the batteries for the next two years or so we had it the feeling of being watched grew only now it was strongest from a conservation on the back of the property my wife and i had been through enough by this point that, we were now openly discussing the weird feelings with each other. There were a set of double doors between the kitchen and conservation. This one particular night, my wife asked if I'd close them. I didn't ask why, but did so. About an hour or so later, I decided to go back and have a cigarette. As I opened the doors, the glass-paneled French doors of the conversation were in front of me. It was dark outside, so... All I could see in the door was the reflection of the light, kitchen behind me. As I walked towards the door, I see in the reflection, very clearly a black silhouette of a person run behind me, almost like it had run into the house through the exterior wall, and straight through to under the stairs. My first thought was it was someone outside, but as I checked, no one was there. I stood there smoking and thinking and realizing couldn't have been outside, as the figure had passed behind me and was briefly obscured by my own reflection, so it had to have been in the room behind me. I quickly finished my cigarette and went back inside. I sat there mulling it over before telling my wife the next day, to which she had wanted the door shut as she didn't feel comfortable about that room all day, more so than usual. We had a similar instance a month or so later, which could have ended badly. While driving and pulling onto the motorway, Interstate 4, American Friends, Slip Road, my wife all of a sudden jumped on the brakes. When I asked what the hell she was doing, she said a dark figure had just run out in front of the car. There was literally no one around as the Slip Road was in a wooded area, away from any built-up spots or paths. I didn't see this myself as I was in the back of the car with our boy, but my mother-in-law was in the front and she said she saw it too, and was equally spooked. Gradually since then, the feeling of anxiety and tension subsided. We eventually moved again, mirroring our experience of leaving the last place though. On the day we were moving, we were taking our belongings down the drive to the van. When a roof tile slid off, and nearly missed hitting me and my brother-in-law, who was helping us. We moved to a house which, out of any, should have been the most haunted being built earlier than the others in the 1830s. This house, however, was the most tranquil and had no such weird atmospheres or happenings. All of this was about six or eight years ago now and we often walk past the first house and had seen it come up for rent many times since so nobody seems to stay there long. The funny thing is we both said a few times how when we went to see it on the market, we both have a desire to go back. We'd even talk about going for a fake viewing, just a rock around the place. We never have, but even the idea that after everything, we still feel the urge to go back is something which the rational part of my brain can't really explain. I'm so tempted to go back through all old census records to see if an earnest ever lived in that house, but so far I've resisted the temptation to rake it all over for fear of something setting off again that and if finding out that someone did well i don't know if i'd like the answer thanks for taking the time to go through all this has anyone had anything similar or can anyone offer an explanation as to what this all might have been i want to start off by saying i have never experienced anything visual like this before if there's any possible explanation However, I'm not sure how there could be. I would like to hear it. My girlfriend and I are in the process of moving into a basement suite. We still technically reside at our old place across town for another three days. Her name is the only one on the lease and so we've been having some relationship issues due to work, stress, and personal problems. The basement suite we moved into had been completely gutted and most of the appliances and flooring were replaced. Except for the bathroom. It's now a city legal suite, with its own water heater, etc. Since there had been a massive police investigation done a few months prior, we weren't told much about what had happened here, other than drug related incidents. I went into the bathroom to do some cleaning yesterday evening, and noticed what looked like blood at the bottom of the radiator. It seemed creepy, and I didn't want to touch it just yet, because gross. Anyways, a few hours pass, and my girlfriend goes to bed. In the bedroom, and I fall asleep on the couch watching TV. I woke up around 4am to our cat knocking a plant off the windowsill, and messing with the blinds. The lights were off, but I have a big blacklight aquarium in the living room, which lit up most of the living room slash kitchen area. My girlfriend came out of the room to ask what was going on, and I was all pissed off, half asleep, cleaning dirt off the countertops. She told me to leave it for tomorrow and just come to bed, and then walked away. I stayed up and continued cleaning for maybe 20 minutes, since there was dirt all over this place. This is what freaking terrified me, even thinking about it now. I was in the kitchen wiping down the counters, it was pretty dim but... I could still see. It's now around four thirty AM. I turned around towards the garbage can and my girlfriend is standing in the dark doorway, just staring at me. I couldn't see her face clearly, but it was a six foot thin figure. The exact build of my girlfriend. I said sorry if I'm keeping you up. I'm almost done. She just stood there facing me. I figured she was just pissed off since we had been arguing off and on this whole week. I finished what I was doing and walked past her and asked if she was coming to bed. She didn't move. I walked straight into the bedroom and closed the door and my girlfriend was laying there sleeping. I woke her up by closing the door and I guess the look on my face scared her enough to make her spring up in bed, wide awake and ask what happened repeatedly. I started gagging, swearing and pretty much just lost it for a minute or two. I told her I just saw her in the kitchen and she said, well, yeah, I came out earlier and asked what happened. I told her, no, I just walked past her in the bedroom. She pretty much just went silent, peeked out the door and nothing was there. We both went to sleep a while later. I don't get strange feelings here at all, which is the weird part, but holy fuck. I have no idea what that thing was last night and it scared me so bad I almost threw up when I realized my girlfriend had been sleeping that past half hour and I have no idea what to make of that. Just a little background, I originally come from Ukraine and I travel a lot all of my life. I studied and lived in England from 12 to around 21 years of age, and now I'm working in Belgium. My mother knew this fortune teller who was known to be able to diagnose diseases just by holding your hand, as well as predict your future, at least key events. My mother was worried about my future since I had so many opportunities that she took me to see this guy. I had exams coming up and it was a good way to both distract myself and learn something new. The guy made a total of seven predictions. I will first mention the one that happened and the rest that are yet to be. Just to let you know, this guy lives in a tiny village and never traveled outside of it, nor does he have access to the internet. Anyways, here we go. Number one, I would get a 82% of my exams. He guessed the exact percent I wasn't doing very well in my studies at all, and I only started studying probably in the last few months. He put his hands on my forehead and immediately said that I shouldn't worry, as I will get an 82%, which is what I needed to get into university I wanted. That came true and I went to university. Number two, I have problems with my liver. I was a very healthy kid, and I did a lot of sports semi-professionally. In my school at 18 years old, I was in football, rowing and tennis team. I barely drink and eat properly, and had a very healthy body composition. After he said I was going to have problems with my liver, we went to the doctor and guess what? I had an enlarged and hardened liver. Doctors had no idea what caused it, and to make it normal I had to do a special diet for two months. After that it all went back to normal. Number three. I would travel to Finland for work at 23 years old, but not before then. I had a business trip to Estonia and Finland last December, and guess what? I literally traveled to Finland the day before I turned 24. I had no control over booking the tickets or scheduling this business trip. My management sent me on this mission. I'd never been to Finland, nor any Nordic countries ever. Number 4. 28, I will have 1,000 employees under my management. It hasn't happened yet. I'm currently trying to work myself up to become a project manager, but still not sure if it's possible for this to happen. Right now I manage around 30 employees, so it's a big jump to 1k. But we will see. Number 5, in my lifetime, I will travel to Russia only twice. It hasn't happened yet. Due to a political climate between Ukraine and Russia, I haven't traveled to Russia ever. Although I do want to visit badly. Number six, I'll marry a blonde woman and we will have two daughters. That hasn't happened yet either. It was always a dream of mine to have daughters, not sons. I can't explain why, just always wanted to. I have mostly females in my family, loads of sisters, aunts, and grandmas. So let's see. Number 7. I will move and live in Finland most of my life. Might happen soon. This is quite unbelievable. He said that when he concentrated on my future, he saw the word Suomi around me a lot. At the time, none of us knew what it was. He also said that I would live and probably die in Finland. When I came home and googled what Suomi is, it turned out to be a language spoken in Finland And as for working there, when I had a business trip, I made some connections with other colleagues who invited me for some potential working positions, so I might end up moving there sooner rather than later. So that's that. He predicted a lot of things like prostate cancer in early stage from my dad's friend, which saved his life, as well as healing my grandma's depression by one 15-minute talking session. I don't know if there's anything to this guy, but it's sure not just accidents. I thought a long time before posting my story here, or rather two that happened to me and one of my colleagues. It's not something scary, but rather something very uncomfortable. My friends told me it would fit in here. Let's get started. Both stories happened in the summer of 2018, when I was working as a facilitator in a recreation center for children, small sections up to the first grade. We were in a kind of park, about 20 minutes away by bus, where we stayed all day before going back to school, at about 5pm, so that the parents could pick up their children. This park was reserved for us, and therefore nobody else than us. Our managers and those who take care of the canteen are not supposed to be there, especially since around it, there is only fields, a forest and a building site. That was quite far. Now that the context has been set, I begin the first story that happened to my colleague. We had walkie-talkies for the day, which allowed us to reach our managers, the secretary or the infirmary in case of a problem but they were returned when it was time to leave, to be recharged during the night. So it was up to the secretary, my colleague, who was the last one to leave around 7 p.m., to put them on charge and then close the shutters and doors and go home. One morning, I think it was around the eighth day, I had been working for a month with the children. We all find ourselves summoned one by one to the office of our leaders, so I go there without really understanding what was going on. Pass in front of the secretary, who doesn't look serene at all, and that worries me a bit. My senior manager asked me if I returned my walkie the day before, or if I knew if someone had taken one. I say that I did return mine by pointing it out at the charging station, and I explain that I didn't hear anything else. I still ask why I'm being asked this question. Then my manager tells me: the night before at 7 p.m. As she was about to leave, my colleague was closing the shutters when one of the walkie-talkies lit up, and a male voice came on saying, Hey, beauty of the isles, you're beautiful when you close those shutters. I had a vile shiver go down my spine, my colleague being the only foreigner on the team. The person who had spoke to her had been looking at her, and really talking to her and not a hoax. At that time, she had called her roommate who came come to pick her up and left every other day with someone we never heard from that guy again nevertheless we patrolled for several days to try and notice someone for our safety but especially for the children's safety the second story takes place in the third and thus the penultimate week of work it was around 11 am when i got called on the talkie by my manager she tells me that something very strange has happened I asked her what it was and again, I feel the shiver of just anguish. A man had come to the secretary and asked to see me. To see me? Using my first and last name. My manager had gone to see me because she thought it was strange. Because nobody is supposed to show up at my workplace, apart from my parents and friends. Nobody knew I was there. This man had then introduced himself as my uncle and that he had come to pick me up for personal reasons. My manager said that I was not on the site, and that was not true, and that she would let me know that he had come by. According to her, he looked very annoyed and left without giving his name. You could say it was a plausible story, but I only have one uncle, who is my godfather, who doesn't fit the description of the man who came, and to whom I don't talk to at all. Again I have never heard of this man again, and I've never seen him, but I still have this bad feeling that someone, I don't know, forged an identity to come and get me. Who knows what would have happened if I had gone. I am grateful to my manager, who knew how to smell the trouble. That was a bit of a long story, maybe not very interesting, but it makes me feel good to talk about it. Take care of yourselves. Goodbye, everyone. Hey, friends, thanks for checking out today's video. If you haven't yet, please make sure to hit that like and subscribe button to be notified when I drop a new video or stream. Also, be sure to check out my video's description, as I've hidden some links in there to some pretty fun stuff, like my Discord server, merch, and all my social medias.